Welcome back to another College Hoops Mania podcast. I'm your host, Wes Troyer, and I'm thrilled to be back today with another episode. Just a reminder, you are currently listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Before we get into this week's content, I need to go over a few things first. First of all, it is very helpful to the show if you would subscribe or follow, depending on what you listen to this on, to my podcast. A rating or review if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts is also very helpful to me. Also, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow me at chmpod. I will tweet throughout the week, as well as post on Instagram scores and takeaways from some of the biggest games each week. Also on Instagram on Sundays, I post on my Instagram story to drop some questions from my podcast where I answer some Instagram follower questions at the end of each podcast. I am also on Patreon, where you can find me by looking up my name, Wes Troyer, or looking up my podcast, College Hoops Mania. On Patreon, you can donate to my podcast as much or as little as you want. Any donation is greatly appreciated and will be used to better the podcast. With that being said, let's get right into today's show. So normally I would start talking about the past week's you know, major headlines, some scores, some things to look at. But before I get into that today, I was lucky enough to be able to interview Joe Lenardi on Friday, who is ESPN's bracketologist. I am very thankful and, and fortunate that he was willing to give some of his time up to, to my show, College Hoops Mania. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Joe Lenardi to this week's College Hoops Mania show. I would like to welcome a very special guest to College Hoops Mania podcast today, ESPN bracketologist Joe Lenardi. Joe, thank you for joining the show today. Wes, it's a pleasure. Okay, so my first question today is, how exactly did you get into bracketology and your job at ESPN? Well, I like to tell people I was the star center on my high school team, you know, 6'11", shot blocking, one-handed dunking freak like uh, uh, Giannis. <laughs> but that would be a just a bit of a stretch, I think. Uh, no, I, I, I was a sports writer primarily uh, and, and by trade in college and then after college uh, covering – the Big Five in Philadelphia, which which is a, a, a long-standing and great college basketball tradition, and I just kind of fell in love with the game and got mentored and tutored by a lot of really smart people in the game, coaches and media, and mm-hmm. along the way kind of fell in love with the NCAA tournament and used to, like, mess around putting fields together for fun. I guess some people, I don't know, collect stamps yeah. or, uh, you know, you play bridge or have other hobbies. Uh, bracketing is kind of my thing. And yeah. who knew that there would be a market for it publicly? That was never the intent. Were you the first like public market for bracketology then? I think so. Uh, cer- certainly history is going to record it that way, even if it isn't quite true. Uh, a, a, a good buddy of mine, Howie Schwab at ESPN at the time, was was playing with some brackets and and there may have been some others but uh, certainly I, I pushed for it pretty strongly in the mid 90s mm-hmm. and have followed it ever since and then once it kind of got on tv around 2002 or so uh, it has just steadily increased in in popularity and interest ever since 
Okay, so I'm going to ask a few bracket questions here today. And so my first question about the bracket would be, do you think Baylor will overtake Gonzaga if they both went out the rest of the way? I think it's less likely now because Baylor doesn't have as many notches it can get in its belt, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, they, they will have missed over two weeks of high-level games. And the advantage that they hold over Gonzaga from a resume perspective is the, the quality and depth of the Big 12 versus the quality and depth of the West Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they needed it, frankly, because Gonzaga played a much more difficult intentionally, you know, non-league schedule. And, of course, both teams missed the game against one another uh, that was scheduled back in December. So, having said all that, I think that, you know, factoring the Big 12 tournament into play, Baylor could still catch them from, you know, a, a, a good wins perspective. I just think that Gonzaga, the way they're winning, uh, which is basically blasting everything in sight, uh, is, is, is going to make the perception part strong enough for them to hang on to number one overall if they win out. And I think that's the right thing at this point. I also think there's a much more realistic chance that Baylor could lose a game, which would kind of end the discussion. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So right now it's Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State is the four one seeds. What? How many other teams other than those four do you think could possibly play their way into a one seed? I think Illinois can. Uh, they're they're right there. I mean, anybody that wins the Big Ten regular season or Big Ten tournament is going to be adding some serious wins in a relatively short period of time. Uh, I, I'm not discounting Alabama. I, I know I'm in the minority on that. Uh, I think their resume is very good if they run the table. I think the SEC, even without Kentucky being, you know, what we're accustomed to, is is still pretty deep. Uh, I mean, it's not the Big Ten, it's not the Big Twelve, but it might be next. Uh, Villanova, if they win the return game against Creighton and run the table. Uh, you know, they are Villanova and, and, and you ha- even though recent tournaments aren't a factor, I, I, I think you have to at least be human and recognize that they have won two of the last four tournaments that have been played. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a, there's a little bit of a dark horse of teams that are, could get hot and run the table here and pile up the wins like in Iowa. They were great last night in Wisconsin. And Oklahoma has been very good. Would you say Oklahoma being a three seed in the committee's first rankings would have been the biggest surprise to you out of anything? Wes, I just I lost you there for a second. You back? Okay, yeah, I hear you. Uh, my question Who's was me? Would Who's you say, sorry. Oh no, you're fine. My question was, would you say Oklahoma is a three seed in the committee's initial rankings was the most surprising to you out of anything? Yeah, I thought I had him as a four. Uh, and, and, you know, but, but then when you go and look, especially at who they've beaten head-to-head 
in the league, it, 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 it was justified. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it caught, I mean, there wasn't much that caught my eye yeah. in that. Uh, but, you know, there was a, yeah, I went, hmm, I better make sure that, you know, I'm not way off on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a little bubble talk now, but obviously Duke not really on the bubble right now, but they have a big opportunity tomorrow. Do you think mm-hmm. there's any path for an at-large bid still for the Blue Devils? Hard to believe, isn't it? But yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think in, in a way, the way the ACC sets up is perfect for them. What do I mean by that? Uh, it's not so good that they can't get on a nice little winning streak. But it's not so bad that those wouldn't be decent enough wins to move up. At a, You know, a four or five game winning streak, which is perfectly plausible for them, goes a long way when everyone you're in the pool with is barely treading water. And generally speaking, bubble teams play about 500 at this time of year because if they were better than that, they wouldn't be bubble teams, right? It's just kind of – what do they say? Water finds its own level. Well, Duke has an opportunity to, to change its level. Uh, I don't know that they'll do so. Uh, I don't know that, that their heart has been in it really from the start this season. Uh, but it's going to be a storyline because, like it or not, they're Duke. Okay, so my last question then today. So obviously with the, with the year, a lot of conferences aren't having fans. The Big Ten's not having fans. And so Minnesota is on the bubble right now, 13-1 at home, 0-8 on the road. Do you think the committee will still like, take into factor their struggles away from home? I do, but I think that when you remember that the conference tournament is away from home, it's highly unlikely that they would have a zero there, mm-hmm. right? Because think about that. what that would mean. It would mean losing their remaining row game at Penn State, possibly a game to be rescheduled at Nebraska, okay, and losing in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. So if on selection weekend they have zero road or neutral wins, their overall record is not going to be very good. So they probably won't make it anyway. So it's, it's, it's the overall that would keep them out, not that column as unsightly as it might be. So would, would you bet on the Big Ten having nine or ten teams then? Yes, I would. Maryland is going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the ninth. So then it's, it's really up to Minnesota. Okay. As, as, as a 10th. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you joining the show today and taking your time to, to talk about the bracket and your, your job, your fun job that you're, that you're able to do every year. So thank you very much. Sure thing, Wes, my pleasure. And sorry, I have to run. Again, I'd like to thank Joe Lenardi for joining the show as I was very fortunate and very thankful that he was willing to do that for me. So some things he mentioned in the interview, obviously I said this this took place on Friday, and so some of it's a little outdated as we're doing this on Sunday, but he, he was talking about you know, how Duke would still have a case for an at-large resume if they were to get a win against Virginia on Saturday, which they did. I'll get into that a little bit. We talked about Minnesota, some bubble teams like Minnesota with their home and road record, the splits there, and then they had a, they had a big loss against Illinois 
on Saturday. So we'll also mention that a little bit later. Um, and in like the one seed conversation, we discussed that a little bit with, uh, and obviously then Michigan and Ohio State played today. So that would answer a little bit of questions there. But all those things we'll get into a little bit later. The first thing I want to talk about today is Duke beating Virginia Saturday night on ESPN. 66 to 65 it was a really really good basketball game back and forth so with this win for duke it's now three wins in a row and the problem for duke was defense is that this team has been a gifted offense for a lot of this season maybe not early on but you know january february they've been playing good offensively especially of late and the last three games they've had three good defensive performances in a row giving up 53 60 and 65 points Matthew Hurt continued his hot streak on Saturday. The, these are the last three games for Matthew Hurt. He has combined for 68 points on 24 for 32 shooting from the field and 14 of 19 from three. He has been red hot, making a strong case for being ACC Player of the Year. And so with this win, Joe Lenardi moved Duke to his next four out, which uh, so basically not the first four, but then the next four. So like they're about you know seven, eight teams away from being in the tournament, according to Joe Lenardi. Duke's final four games of the year are home to Syracuse, home to Louisville, at Georgia Tech, and at North Carolina, looking for the revenge game against the Tar Heels. Duke's resume. Duke is now 5-6 and six combined in quad one and quad two uh, opportunities. Comparing with Joe Lenardi's last team in, which is Minnesota, Minnesota is 5-10 and 10 combined in quad one and quad two opportunities, but the difference is Minnesota has not lost a single game outside the top two quadrants, whereas Duke has lost two quadrant three games. So the question now, everyone's talking about it, you know, will Duke make the NCAA tournament? Will they be a part of March Madness this year? My personal opinion, the way they are playing right now, the basketball we are seeing Duke play right now, are they an NCAA tournament team? Absolutely. And if I had to guess, I will say they will be a part of this year's tournament. If you're looking at Duke right now, you have to love the way this team is playing offensively. Terrific spacing all over the floor. Uh, and also, like, they've started playing Mark Williams more, and Henry Coleman played some good minutes as well on Saturday, four key points, some key rebounds there. Uh, having those guys down low, it's kind of a different look that Duke has that they necessarily weren't going with for, for some time. It gives them, you know, big guys down low to, uh, to just give them a different look, you know, depending on the opponent they're playing. But Duke just has such, such good spacing out there. Uh, like Matthew Hurt just provides tremendous spacing and Jamin Brakefield. So that's a guy that, you know, played early on. He had a good game against Notre Dame early on. He didn't play for many games in a row. You know, he wasn't getting many minutes. And then on Saturday, he made a huge impact in what was probably his best game of his freshman year so far. He ended up having the game-winning basket in that game. And he, and he just made huge game-changing plays defensively as well. He had four blocks in the game. For this Duke team, it's all about consistency. And getting consistency from Brightfield going forward is huge. He comes in at 6'8", and he's super versatile. He puts the ball, he can put the ball on the floor from the perimeter. You know, he, he has wing skills, guard skills, but he also has size and length at 6'8", and he made a huge impact on the defensive end. If he can become a reliable defensive player, there's no reason that Brightfield won't be playing heavy minutes like this. He played, I believe, 29 minutes on Saturday. He's going to be getting 20-plus minutes a game if he is making that kind of impact on the defensive side of the floor because that's what Duke needs right now. They need guys committed on that side of the floor. They have Roach can get downhill. Stewart is phenomenal off the bounce. Hurt, we all know about him. 
his 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 little fadeaway, you know, like when he's inside the arc and he gets the ball with his back to the basket and he gets you on a fadeaway, it's unguardable. You can't block the shot, and he he's near perfect at shooting it. He's he's so good at it. You also, you know, Goldwire's defensive efforts. He had four steals on Saturday. That's what you need from him going forward. We've seen him perform offensively at times. They don't necessarily need him on the offensive end. Wendell Moore's been improving. Uh, he's been better of late after his real slow start to the year. He had he he was really good as a playmaker on Saturday. And he's another versatile guy where, you know, he has he's athletic. He's long. Duke has tons of ability tons and we are starting to see what you know this isn't what the duke team we expected to be even the basketball they're playing right now but this is a much better duke blue devil team this is a this is an ncaa tournament quality team right now from overseeing will they make the tournament uh we don't really know i think with their remaining games against syracuse louisville georgia tech north carolina i think they have real opportunities and lenardi made a great point in my interview with him he he stated the fact that this is the perfect acc to be in because nobody's too good that you can't beat it gives you the opportunity to go on a run but the wins are still good enough that they will count you know for quad one and quad two opportunities it's not like the acc is so bad that you don't have opportunities you have opportunities there's just nobody great, and it's the perfect it's the perfect landscape of a conference to be in for Duke to get on a run, for any team in the ACC to get on a run for that matter. But right now, if Duke keeps up the defensive intensity, they will be a part of March Madness in 2021. The next game, the next result I want to talk about, Sunday afternoon on CBS, we saw one of the best games of the year, arguably game of the year to this date. It's up there for sure. Michigan beat Ohio State 92-87 to in Columbus. The, of the battle of the one seeds, you know, the committee showed them at 3-4 and four in their initial rankings. Obviously, they would have still been there. And like I said, just one of the best games all year. In the first half of this game, it was a high-powered offensive game. Michigan was 10-13 for 13 from three. Both teams were making shots all over the floor. And then in Michigan, went 1 for 10 from 3 in the second half. So they didn't shoot it well at all in the second half. But they still found ways to win. They found ways to get the ball inside, you know, crash the offensive boards. Hunter Dickinson was just a man today. The freshman big man is just so, so good. Uh, he had 22 points and 9 rebounds for the Wolverines. But most importantly, the last 7 minutes, Dickinson had 10 points, 3 rebounds, and 1 block. Uh, in, the, in the block was huge. It was on Liddell late, which arguably sealed the game. Mike Smith was the point guard that Michigan needed today. He had seven assists, one turnover. That's exactly what they need. They don't need him to be some spectacular scoring point guard. They need him to take care of the ball and make plays for others. Exactly what it, exactly what he did today. There was time. There was one play where he drove baseline, and he got kind of caught in the air, but uh, in the in the middle of the air. But his patience. Uh, he benefited from his patience. He just kind of surveyed the floor, and he eventually was able to hit Dickinson at the 45 right in front of the bucket for an easy lay-in. And there were other times where there was ball screens with Dickinson, you know, put Dickinson in pick and rolls with uh, Mike Smith, and Mike Smith was kind of like he'd come off the screen, surveying, surveying, keeping his dribble alive, and eventually uh, defense would commit too long, and it would be Dickinson for an easy dunk, easy layup. Great patient, pa patience from Mike Smith today. Chaundy Brown off the bench was also huge for the, for Michigan today. 
He's just an energizer bunny. Picks guys up full court, defends the heck out of you. Intensity is always high. But man, was he making shots from the outside today. He ended up having 15 points and three rebounds. Two of those rebounds were on the offensive end. Huge second chances for Michigan. I think what what you got to love about Michigan is just the balance of this team. You don't know who's going to beat you on any given night. Today, six guys scored nine points or more in this game. In watching this game, like you're not taking away anything from Ohio State in this game. Ohio State actually played a pretty dang good basketball game. But the difference today was Michigan being able to get easier shots than Ohio State was able to. For a lot, for a lot of time in this game, Michi- or Ohio State was taking tough shots. Dwayne Washington was hitting tough contested shots, but he was able to he was able to make them. You know, he's a big time shot maker, able to make shots with guys in his face. But the final numbers: Michigan had 19 assists on 31 makes, where Ohio State had 11 assists on 32 makes. The ball doesn't stick for Michigan. The, it, it just it just doesn't stick. This team is really, really good at getting downhill, kicking out to shooters. You know, they close out on the first shooter, kick it to the next one, keeps going, drive it again. It's just the def- it's so hard to defend this team. You're gonna if if you're not able to communicate and you're not able to switch extremely well, you're gonna really struggle because you're gonna be scrambling a lot against this team. They they're just so balanced, they have no weaknesses, and it's a complete basketball team. If if you had to trust one team more than any other team, it's hard to say. That is not Michigan right now. It's really hard to imagine this Michigan team facing an early exit in the tournament because they just don't have a glaring weakness. Like other teams at their level, like Ohio State, you know, they struggle defensively at times. Really good offensive team, but struggle defensively. Same with Iowa. Illinois has shown inconsistency on, inconsistencies on the defensive end. They also rely on Desunmu too much at times. What's, the, what's, what's not to love about Michigan? Like I said in my last podcast, the knock on them may be that their point guard isn't quite as good as the other national title teams, like what they have at point guard. But Mike Smith showed today that he he's he's good enough to be a point guard on a national championship team. Phenomenal playmaker, took care of the ball. That's what you need. That's all you need. It's all you need from Mike Smith. Going into today, Michigan hadn't played a top four Big Ten team yet. They still have Iowa, which is on this upcoming Thursday, and they still have Illinois on the schedule. So they have more tests ahead. But if you wanted to knock on Michigan because they hadn't beaten the best of the Big Ten yet, that argument no longer no longer is valid. Michigan answered the call today, and wow, did they put on a performance today. Phenomenal team on both ends of the floor. Complete basketball team. The next result I want to talk about came on Saturday where West Virginia beat Texas 84-82. to this is a game where West Virginia came uh, they, they came back from being down 19 in the second half. And if you remember the first game in the series from this year, West Virginia lost at the buzzer to a three from Andrew Jones. Uh, if you didn't watch this game, you may have missed an altercation between Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones with about 16 minutes left in the second half. And after this happened, the game changed. But a little backstory on what happened, so... Andrew Jones was late to rotate out on Sean McNeil, West Virginia player, which resulted in a West Virginia three. And then on the way back down the floor, Courtney Raymond was kind of giving uh, Andrew Jones an earful, kind of chirping at him a little bit, and it escalated. 
at the TV timeout when they uh, went to the huddle. Uh, the two really got into it until eventually Matt Coleman, another Texas player, had to push Ramey away to kind of separate them. But in the post game, reporters did ask them about it. Courtney Ramey said that the two have put the incident in the past, which it, which you hope that's the case. Like, I mean, what do you expect Courtney Ramey to say? Of course he's going to say they put it in the past. Of course they said he's going to say that they're over it, that they're moving past it. You Teams can't afford to have chemistry issues like this you, you got to have buy-in from everyone you got to have belief in your teammates you got to be able to get along so hopefully this doesn't end up hurting texas in the long run like it did on saturday in the short term but the, i mean obviously that's a big story in this game but you also have to give credit where credit's due and that's that's uh, giving credit to west virginia this west virginia offense is just so dang good and, and this west virginia team's unlike a lot of west virginia teams because we are seeing an offense that's really, really explosive and a defense that uh, struggles at times, to say the least. Normally, we're seeing a really good West Virginia defense and an offense that struggles. Uh, not the case this year. Total opposite, in fact. But you have to give credit where credit's due. And West Virginia forced 10 second-half turnovers. Huge difference in the game. Able to get Texas to turn the ball over, you know, which led to offensive points, getting out in transition, and West Virginia, this team likes to run, so so that really benefited them. And don't forget that this West Virginia team, they played Gonzaga in the non-conference. They lost by five points, but no team has played Gonzaga better than West Virginia has this year. They were able to score with them. They led for a lot of this game, in fact, and if you remember, Jalen Suggs got hurt. People overreacted, said, oh, it's his Achilles, you know, season-ending injury for Jalen Suggs. Obviously, that was an overreaction. He ended up coming back in that game. In fact, uh, thankfully, it was a scary injury in the moment, and thankfully, he's okay, and he's still still playing basketball. But, yeah, you could say that that was a momentum, a momentum shifter in that game. But it's still true that no team has played Gonzaga better than the Mountaineers have. And other teams to play Gonzaga, other notable teams. I mean, they played Iowa, Kansas, and Virginia. So so some pretty good basketball teams that Gonzaga's played. West Virginia, will their next game is against Baylor on Thursday. It's going to be a highly, highly anticipated game. Uh, Baylor, Baylor's coming back on pause. That will be their second game back after pause, which is probably, it's good for Baylor that their first game back is not against West Virginia. Instead, Baylor plays two days before that on Tuesday against Iowa State. So all eyes on Baylor, West Virginia, Thursday. Florida State. Florida State beat Virginia on Monday night almost a week ago, about six days ago. They beat them big. They beat them by 21 at home. It was a big storyline that day. But with Virginia losing to, to Duke on Saturday, Florida State is now sitting on top of the ACC. Leonard Hamilton said going into the pit game because uh, Florida State then played at Pitt on Saturday, where they also came away with a win. Hamilton said if they can't respond with a winning, with winning a road game at Pittsburgh, Florida State, this team's just not ready to be a championship contender yet. Safe to say, his players answered the call. Obviously, winning at Pitt isn't just some you know storyline huge win, but it's still notable to come off of a huge win off a high like that of dominating Virginia. And to go on the road and to beat a good basketball team. Because Pitt is a good basketball team. Obviously, they're not a great basketball team. It's still a quality team, though. In my opinion, Florida State, when they're at their best, 
they're the best team in the ACC. They're better than Virginia. They're better than Virginia Tech. They're better than any any fill in the blank. Florida State at their best is the best team in the ACC. I mean, how nice is it to have your five star freshman, your five star freshman, six foot nine inch point guard, Scotty Barnes, come off the bench? Like, come on, you have great depth if you're bringing off if you're bringing Scotty Barnes off the bench. It's just a Florida State team that has bounced attack. It, similar to Michigan where you don't know who's going to beat you. That's kind of how Florida State is. And they have great depth. You know, they'll play nine guys a game. So they'll get more guys in than that. But, you know, nine guys play pretty good minutes every game. Defensive intensity has been an issue at times for Florida State. But when they're locked in like they were Monday night, this defensive team, I mean, this Florida State team defensively is really, really good because it, they're so athletic. They're so long. And if you're playing them, they're going to be bigger than you. They have so much size. Uh, Florida State's obviously been inconsistent this year. They've suffered a loss to Central Florida early, who's not very good at all. They lost by double digits to Georgia Tech. They needed a bucket at the horn to get it to overtime against Wake Forest, obviously. If you're doing those things, that you're playing inconsistent basketball. But you just get this feeling about Florida State that when they have to play, when they have to play well, they're going to. Like, when they need to show up, they're going to show up. And that's the feeling I get about Florida State. I think they're a dark horse Final Four team. Maybe that's maybe you don't consider that a dark horse. I think they're a dark horse national title team. Like, obviously, I think Gonzaga and Baylor are the best teams in college basketball with, with Michigan fairly close behind. But if you're looking for a dark horse team to win the national championship, I'd look at Florida State. They, they have the pieces to do it. They just have to put it all together, you know, for six games in a row. And I, I think... I think they're extremely capable. If you remember the season that got short, cut short a year ago, Florida State was actually the ACC champions, the regular season champions. And they lost three of their top four scores from that ACC title team. And I heard this from Matt Norlander in, uh, in his podcast, the CBS podcast. In the last 20 years, two ACC coaches have won back-to-back ACC regular season championships. You might say, oh, well, it's got to be Mike Krzyzewski and, you know, uh, probably Roy Williams, Duke and Carolina. Yeah, it's safe to say that that's, that's probably a, it's a reasonable guess, to say the least. But that guess is actually incorrect. It is Roy Williams and Tony Bennett, the only two coaches in the last 20 years to win back-to-back ACC regular season championships. Roy's actually done it three times. Tony only done it once. But Leonard Hamilton's trying to make it trying to make himself the third coach to do this it's it's actually really crazy though that Leonard Hamilton could be the third to do it there could be three ACC coaches to do this and coach K is not one of them Duke's last outright ACC regular season title hasn't came in 15 years that's so crazy to think about because if you just ask if you ask anybody I mean you would expect Duke winning you know, ACC titles every other year. I mean, that's just what you'd expect. Duke's always so good. The fact that they haven't won the ACC, the regular season at least, in 15 years, that's just crazy to think about. But right now, Florida State's on top of the ACC, and Leonard Hamilton's making looking to make that statistic uh, go up by one number and become the, three, the third ACC coach to have done this in the last 20 years. The next discussion that I want to have is on the national player of the year race. And, you know, this really hasn't been a debate all year. It's been a pretty, uh, it's been pretty unanimous that 
Luka Garza is going to win it. That's pretty much the unanimous opinion that go, that's been going around the country. And it, it's time to maybe have this discussion once again. Io Desunmu of Illinois just recorded its second triple-double in his last four games. And he's now averaging 21.2 points, 6.2 rebounds, 5.3 assists in a st- one steal a game. Uh, Luka Garza, the favorite right now, actually just became Iowa's all-team leading scorer. So shout out to Luka Garza. That's an unbelievable honor. And he's worked his butt off to get here. So shout out to Luka Garza for becoming Iowa's all-time leading scorer. Uh, Luka's stats are now 24.7 points, 8.4 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.6 blocks. So if you're looking at the big three statistical categories, Luka wins two of those. He's he's up by about three three points a game, up by about two points of rebounds, but Io is up by about three, almost four assists a game on Luka Garza. So if you want to make an argument for Io, you can make the argument that the big plays that he's made down the stretch of games, you know, Putting his back, putting his team uh, on his shoulders against Nebraska. Uh, there's been other moments where he's really put the team on his back against. Uh, when they played Iowa, he had a huge game, and you can argue that he's more important to Illinois than Luca is to Iowa. That's a valid argument. If if you think about taking each one of these players away from their teams, I think Illinois would be greatly impacted more than Iowa would be. Obviously, I think I would be greatly impacted from losing Garza, but I just think Iowa. I think Illinois would probably be impacted more than Iowa would be. But the fact, the fact is, Luke has better numbers at, uh, at, than Iowa outside of assists, and that's expected. Iowa should have more assists than Luca. For Iowa to win this award, Iowa's probably going to need to lose a couple games. The problem is, like, if Iowa's a top 10 to 15 team and Luca Garza is the nation's leading scorer, how do you not have him win the National Player of the Year? It's it's going to be pretty hard to have a team that is, you know, a three or four seed, and they also have the nation's leading scorer, and that guy's not winning the National Player of the Year. That's going to be pretty hard to, you know, to do. It's really hard to see that happening. However, I do think Iota Sunum is the best guard in the country, and he has a case. I just think he's uh, if he's going to win it, they're going to need Iowa to lose a couple more games and you know maybe drop to like a five or six seed in the tournament. Uh, that seems unrealistic right now, as I, I think Iowa's a really good basketball team, and I don't really see them doing that. But if Iowa's going to win, that's probably what needs to happen. Okay, so a lot happened this week, so I'm going to cover some more notable results from this past week, but instead of as in-depth, I'm going to go through them a little bit more quickly. So the first result I want to talk about is Arkansas beat Florida 85-74 to earlier this week. This win uh, makes Arkansas winners seven of their last eight. And if you want to look for a team that nobody's really talking about, a team that can make a run, you know, a team flying under the radar, it's Arkansas right now. They've only lost two games when Justin Smith's been in their lineup. Uh, they went, I believe, one in three when Justin Smith wasn't in the lineup. They're much better with him. Uh, in in particular, defensively helps them a lot. Having him on the floor uh, defending ball screens instead of Connor Vanover is a big difference. Vanover can alter shots at the rim, but Vanover really struggles in pick-and-roll defense and ball screen defense. Justin Smith impacts the game in a lot of ways. Really good two-way player. So Arkansas... Hot right now, a team to watch going forward. Next team I want to talk about is Maryland. Maryland beat Nebraska and won at Rutgers. 
Uh, this was a huge week for Maryland in particular. Like they, these two wins put them in the NCAA tournament right now. They're looking like they're going to be a part of March Madness this year, and it's pretty amazing considering they lost Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith from a year ago. Uh, Maryland's two, two clear best players from last year's team. And shout out to Aaron Wiggins, who's just been emerging as Maryland's best player. He has been consistent, scoring the ball at a high clip right now. The next game I want to talk about is Wichita State beating Houston 68-63 to on Thursday. And this was just an unbelievable win for the Shockers. And they really needed this win if they wanted to to make the tournament this year as they, they were on the outside looking in most likely uh, on the bubble. And this win is a win they needed. In the American, you don't have a lot of opportunities. So they kind of needed to beat Houston one of those times to give themselves a good case uh, as a bubble team. But you just got to give credit to... Isaac Brown, Wichita State's head coach, who came in for Greg Marshall, obviously the Greg Marshall uh, scandal, you know, everything that went on with him before the season, which ended up resulting in him getting fired, which meant, which led Isaac Brown to eventually be the coach of Wichita State. Wichita State lost their top three leading scores from a year ago. I mean, about everybody was debating on if they were going to transfer or not. A lot of them did. Some of them didn't you got to give credit to Tyson Etienne, who's been Wichita State's leading scorer and best player for returning to the team, not transferring, backing out like a lot of the other Wichita State players did. They brought in Altry Gilbert, the UConn transfer. He's been pretty dang good for them. And Wichita State is looking like an NCAA tournament team right now after the win over Houston on Thursday. Next game, Iowa won at Wisconsin 77-62. to Iowa's struggling a little bit. They've been bouncing back very well. Uh, having C.J. Frederick in the lineup helps them out a lot. And, at, well, C.J. Frederick actually didn't play in the game at Wisconsin, but they still played a really good basketball team. Joe Wieskamp is just putting up tremendous numbers. He Great great size on the wing, such a good shooter, high IQ player, good defender as well. You know, he's one of the more underrated wings in the country. Uh, next game I want to talk about on Saturday, Illinois dominated Minnesota 94-63. to uh, they won at Minnesota, a place that only one other team has won there this year, a place where Michigan couldn't win. And Illinois just dominated them, won by 31. And I, like I said earlier, obviously had a triple-double in this game. But I think worth noting is Illinois really gained separation and got a big lead on Minnesota without Io scoring the ball too much. I think that's really encouraging. Illinois needs uh, options outside of DeSunmu if they want to be a national title contender. And they showed that they have that on Saturday. On Saturday, also, Villanova beat UConn 68-60. to uh, Villanova necessarily hasn't been the offensive team that people were necessarily expecting them to be, but it was really encouraging to see them, them win this game with defense. Villanova is going to start making shots from, from the perimeter. It necessarily hasn't happened yet. They haven't been shooting the ball great, but it's going to happen. And the fact that they're improving defensively, uh, defense won them this game on Saturday, that's a really good sign for the Wildcats going forward. The next result that I want to talk about is Kansas beating Texas Tech 67 to 61 on Saturday. Kansas, after struggling, has responded well with five wins in a row. Uh, the Texas Tech game was very impressive on Saturday. David McCormick has really been kind of become the identity of Kansas. Uh, I love Jalen Wilson's energy on Saturday as well, and he ended up having the game-winning assist to Christian Brown when Brown hit the three to seal the deal. Huge win for Kansas. They're looking like a top 15, top 20 basketball team once again. Also on Saturday, Arizona won at UCL, or USC, excuse me, 81 to 72. 
really encouraging for Arizona to be able to pick a win, pick a win up like this. You know, necessarily a year where not a lot of bright spots are happening for them. They're living in the midst of a pandemic, and they're, they have a postseason ban, so uh, the players might not have a lot to look forward to. But they were able to enjoy a big win over USC on Saturday, so you got to be happy for Arizona's players there. Kentucky on Saturday won at Tennessee, seventy to fifty-five. This Kentucky team is playing really good basketball right now. This Kentucky team can defend. The problem with them has been on the offensive end, too many turnovers, you know, not creating for others, and just not shooting the ball well from the outside. But Kentucky shot the ball well, shot the ball well from the outside on Saturday. Only committed eleven turnovers. Eleven turnovers is a number that they can live with. Uh, if they continue to do that, shoot the ball, you know, it doesn't have to be great from the outside, but shoot it pretty well on the outside and, you know, keep the turnovers to 10-11 a game. Kentucky's going to have a chance in every game, and they're going to have a chance to make a deep run in the SEC tournament. And don't be surprised if Kentucky wins the SEC tournament because, in my opinion, the difference between Kentucky and Alabama, who is the SEC's best team, I don't think there's a world of difference between those two teams. Kentucky has a real shot to go on a run here. Next result, Michigan State on Saturday won at IU 78-71. This is a game where Michigan State was down big early, uh, looking like the same old Spartan team that we've been seeing all year. And they, they arguably saved their season with the performance and the comeback that they had on Saturday. Michigan State loses this game. They're out of at-large contention altogether. But with this win, they have some opportunities where they, they can still get an at-large bid. They still have Michigan twice on the schedule. Uh, the comeback win was was just huge for Michigan State. Maybe it'll be a momentum shifter going forward, give a confidence boost for these guys. Aaron Henry is is just amazing. He's does he does everything for Michigan State. Playmaker handles the ball, shoots the ball, defends well. I mean, he's tr- he's tremendous for them. Uh, Thomas Kithier made a huge difference. He came in the game in the first half, and his defense slowed down Trace Jackson Davis. And that was a huge difference in, in allowing Michigan State to get back in the game. He played a really good basketball team, or excuse me, a really good basketball game for Michigan State on Saturday. And the last result I want to talk about is North Carolina dominating Louisville 99-54. to This was Louisville's first game back in nearly three weeks, so it's really hard to, hard to judge this game. This has been Louisville's second game where they've just gotten absolutely obliterated. They lost to Wisconsin by 37 earlier this year. And now they lose to North Carolina by 45 on Saturday. You got to give North you got to give North Carolina credit though. This offense is playing really well right now. They had 29 assists on Saturday, just a remarkable number. This is a team that only averages 15 assists and also has turned the ball over at a high rate this year. So for them to, you know, make plays for others, get to 29 assists on Saturday, that is, that's amazing. Uh, and it, it, like I said, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt in terms of Louisville, but you still got to give credit where credit's due. North Carolina played a great basketball game on Saturday. With this win, I mean, I think it leaves any doubt on if this team will be a part of the NCAA tournament. North Carolina will be playing in this year's NCAA tournament. My next segment, I'll be answering some Instagram follower questions. First question I'll be answering is from Nolan.Ashburn, who asked, what is the highest seed you can see Florida State reaching? So I discussed Florida State a little bit earlier in this podcast. I think they're a really good basketball team. I can see Florida State reaching a two seed. I don't think they they can't get to that one line. But if they won out, if they ran the table, I think they could get all the way up to a two seed. It, that, that means they'd be ACC regular season champions, also tournament champions. I think that would probably earn Florida State a two seed on Selection Sunday. Perception Sports Talk asked, 
what does IU have to do to get into the tournament? So as we're speaking, IU is 12 and 10 and have Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue left on the schedule. Three of those are road games. So every single remaining game will be a quadrant one game, or excuse me, Michigan State on the road will be a quadrant two game as of now. So they have opportunities left on the schedule. I think if you can go two and two in those remaining games, I'll probably keep you in the NCAA tournament. I don't think Indiana's going to miss. I think if the tournament started today, they would still be in the tournament. They just can't afford to go one and three in that stretch. Win two of those games, I think they're in very good position to make the NCAA tournament. My next question comes from Joey Milano, who asked, who are your top three Big Ten teams? This question is extremely difficult. Clear top four in the Big Ten with Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa. I thought long and hard about this question, and I decided I think the top three Big Ten teams are Michigan, who is solidified, and then I think I would say it's Ohio State and Illinois. Really hard to keep Iowa out of that because I think Iowa's a really good basketball team, and in my opinion, I think all four of these are top eight teams in college basketball. But those would be my top three if I had if I had to make a decision on it. My next question comes from Jay Basinu14, who asked, Do you think Michigan should be ranked one or two in the country, or do you think they should stay where they are at? In my opinion, I do think Michigan is, is appropriately ranked at number three in the country. Obviously, no team is impeding on them at three. They're clearly three. And the fact is, Baylor and Gonzaga both are undefeated. Michigan has one loss at Minnesota, as well as being ranked lower in the computer metrics than Baylor and Gonzaga are. So if I had to do my own rankings, I would go Gonzaga one, Baylor two, and Michigan three. No disrespect to Michigan, I just think I think they should be ranked three, and I think they're ranked appropriately right now. I mean, my next question comes from Christian.Walker17, who asked, what seed do you have Tennessee after the Kentucky loss? So, obviously, Tennessee, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I think is probably winning, is probably taking the cake right now for the most inconsistent team in college basketball. They are all over the place. It'll be really interesting to see how the committee values this team because you see Tennessee play sometimes and you're like, wow, this is a top five. This is a top 10 college basketball team. Like, wow, this team can defend the crap out of the ball. They're shooting it well. Uh, They're athletic. They have playmakers. And then you watch them play against Kentucky. And then you watch them play against Ole Miss. And you're just like, is this the same Kentucky team that I was watching earlier? Yeah, Tennessee... To know what to expect from Tennessee, you have no idea. This was a team I was bought in on early. After their after their home win against Missouri, where they just trashed them. Uh, actually, that was a, that was at Missouri. No, that game was at Missouri. After the road win at Missouri, where they just trashed them, I thought Tennessee was like legit, legit, because they were scoring the ball well, and they looked extremely impre- impressive on the defensive end. But if I had to guess what seed Tennessee would be right now, I, I think they'd still be a five seed. I think that's how the committee would value them. They definitely wouldn't be a four seed. They're probably uh, closer to a six seed than they are a four seed. But I do think Tennessee would be a five seed right now if the NCAA tournament started today. My next question comes from X underscore Avi underscore RRR who asked, biggest change West Virginia needs to make defensively to stop allowing wide open threes. Well, I think on Saturday we just saw a really good Texas team 
with full of guards, you know, get a lot of open threes. Obviously, West Virginia not as good defensively as they normally are. But I think West Virginia is probably going to be fine defending the three-point line. Sometimes Sean McNeil's a little slow out onto shooters. He's not, you know, the quickest guy on the floor, but he makes up for it offensively. I think when West Virginia is locked in, this team can defend. And when they need to, I think they'll be able to close out on shooters, run people off the three-point line. My next question comes from B Timberlake underscore 24, who asked, will Kentucky win the SEC tournament? I uh, mentioned this a little bit earlier. I'm not going to be like just predicting Kentucky win the SEC, SEC tournament because that's it's pretty uh, unpredictable, but I do think Kentucky can win the SEC tournament if they if they shoot the ball pretty well from the outside and like I said they keep their turnovers down to you know 10 or 11 a game. This team does have a real shot to win the SEC tournament because these guys can defend. They're athletic. I love Keon Brooks and Isaiah Jackson. They're energizer bunnies out there. Uh, crash the boards really good defensively. Protect the rim, especially Isaiah Jackson. Guys, crazy athletic. I think Kentucky is definitely capable of winning the SEC tournament, and it definitely wouldn't surprise me if they were to. That will be the last question I'll be answering. Uh, be sure to leave questions on my Instagram each week. I'm sorry if I didn't get to your question, but hopefully I'll be able to get to it next week. So keep dropping questions. And to close the podcast, I'll be picking some games for this upcoming week. It is a full week. There's a lot of good games. I have six picked out here, six good ones to pick. So let's get right into this. Monday night, Oregon at USC. Oregon's been a lot better since healthy. Since being healthy, they've faced some injuries this year. I believe like four of their starters have all missed at least two games or something. It's something like that. So they've been banged up. USC just coming off the Arizona loss. Um, I'm going to pick USC to win this game. I really like Evan Mobley, and I like I like their front line or their front court uh, with Evan Mobley and uh, brother Isaiah Mobley, and I like Tajidi in the backcourt. I think if USC is able to make shots, it really comes down to how their perimeter, their backcourt plays. They need those guys to be well outside of Tajidi. So I'll pick USC to win this game, but I think it'll be a tight one. I think this is the top two teams in the Pac-12 playing each other. The next game I'm going to pick is. Kansas at Texas on Tuesday. Kansas playing much better basketball right now. Texas struggling. Uh, the altercation between Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones that I mentioned earlier, and they ended up blowing that 19-point lead to West Virginia. I think Texas will win this game, and I'm going to pick Texas to win this game. Kansas playing good basketball right now, but I think uh, Jericho Sims will be able to limit David McCormick, who has been really going for Kansas right now. So stopping David McCormick, believe it or not, is actually what you kind of need to do right now to stop Kansas, but I'll pick Texas to win this game, win a tight one in Austin. The next game I'm going to pick, arguably the top two teams in the SEC, Alabama at Arkansas. Arkansas playing great basketball right now. Alabama is a team that live and dies by the three. They started with the Vandy, but squeaked by Vandy on Saturday. I'll pick Arkansas in this game, being at home. I like them a lot. I think Arkansas is a is a really complete basketball team, really good on both ends. It's hard to pick a game that involves Alabama because how many threes they shoot. So a lot of it just comes down to purely, you know, how well do they shoot the three. So it, it, it's hard to pick, pick games with Alabama. They'll be a hard team to judge when you're picking your bracket. But I'll pick Arkansas, being at home, uh, playing really good basketball right now. I'll go with the Razorbacks. The next game I'm going to pick is West Virginia at Baylor on Thursday. Baylor's coming off pause this week. They will have played one game before this against Iowa State on Tuesday, so that's nice that their first game back won't be against West Virginia. 
I'm going to pick Baylor to win this game. They're at home in this game. Despite uh, just being their second game off pause, I will pick Baylor to win the game. I think West Virginia is really good. I think West Virginia is the second-best team in the Big 12. But I think Baylor being at home, Baylor's a better basketball team. I'll pick Baylor to win this game. Also on Thursday, Iowa at Michigan. Really good day on Thursday. Big day in college basketball. Michigan coming off of the Ohio State win that I discussed earlier. Iowa beat Penn State today when Luka Garza became Iowa's all-time leading scorer, as well as beat Wisconsin earlier this past week, too. I'll pick Michigan in this game. It's hard to really go against Michigan in any Big Ten game right now. They're also at home in this game. Um, they're, they're just the more complete team. They're the more balanced team. They're tougher on both ends in Iowa, so I'll pick Michigan to win this game. In the last game I'm going to pick is another Big Ten game that involves Iowa on Sunday, Iowa at Ohio State. Iowa just has a rugged week this week. And I'm going to say they, they lose both of these games, actually. I'm going to pick Ohio State to win this one. Uh, I just This would be their second meeting between each other. Ohio State won the first one. I think Ohio State will sweep, this, will sweep this series. This was a really hard game for me to pick because it's hard to imagine Ohio State sweeping Iowa. But I think, you know, Ohio State playing at home, I think they uh, are better defensively than Iowa, and I think that will ultimately be the difference in this game as Ohio State will be able to squeak by Iowa and complete the season sweep of the Hawkeyes. With that being said, that'll be the conclusion of this College Hoops Mania episode. I really appreciate you guys listening. As always, if you're listening to this on Apple or you're listening to this on Spotify, subscribing or following is super helpful as well as leaving a rating or review. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening to my podcast, though. I appreciate the support. Follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, whatever you guys have. I'll be back with you guys one week from today, and it'll be a big podcast as next week is a big week in college basketball. We are currently three weeks away from Selection Sunday. We'll be having some conference tournaments start, some lower majors, some mid-majors starting next week. So next week's a huge week in the sport. Can't wait to be back with you guys one week from today. See ya.